0: Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible study podcast for women. I'm your host, Amy Spreeman. Check out all the Bible studies at naomi'stable.com. Now, here's teacher Beth Seifert with today's lesson in 2 Corinthians. So pull up a chair, open your Bibles, and let's begin. Welcome back to our study in the book of 2 Corinthians, ladies. Today we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. And I've titled this lesson, Day 14, Trustworthy Men in Service to God. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 16. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, For he not only accepted our appeal but being himself very earnest he is going to you of his own accord with him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel and not only that but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the lord himself and to show our good will we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ." So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Now, remember, Titus was originally sent to Corinth on Paul's behalf, out of Paul's concern for the people of Corinth. Titus now has the same earnest care for the people as Paul does, and of his own accord now wants to follow up and check on these people. Titus will be accompanied by an unnamed but famous brother who is preaching the gospel as well. Paul leaves the name out of this letter on purpose, so really, there isn't a reason for us to speculate on who it might have been. If Paul had wanted to give the name, he would have. Paul names Titus as going to them, Titus whom they have met and they do know, and leaves this famous preacher unnamed. Remember, these are the same people who have such trouble with pride and prestige. They're so easily swayed by important people and eloquent speakers, even if they're speaking lies. It isn't a coincidence that Paul names Titus, who is not famous, but is known to these people, and doesn't name the other person. The point is not about fame, but about the purpose of the visit. The purpose is not for the elevation of any one person, but the purpose is for the collection of the offering to be brought to the brothers and sisters in need. They are carrying out this practical act of grace for God's glory and to show their own goodwill and their unity with those who are in need. So it makes sense that since the focus is to be on giving God the glory, on serving others, that Paul wouldn't tell them the name of someone who would potentially get in the way of their seeing what they are doing the right way. It's one more way that Paul is clearly showing them that God's economy is different than man's economy. Still, so they aren't taken by surprise, he does mention Titus won't be alone when he comes to them. Paul is careful to be transparent in all that involves the ministry of this money to the saints in need. They want first of all, to honor God in all of this, but secondly, to be found as honorable in the sight of men. There will be no hint of theft or embezzlement. Paul then is giving character references of these brothers who will be taking care of the contribution for the journey. Only a few people were involved, and those who are involved are held accountable for what they are entrusted with. One is someone who the Corinthians will know, who is being sent along because he is entrusted and earnest in many matters, and is more earnest because of his personal interactions with the Corinthians. Titus also whom they do know, but again, he commends Titus to them as a fellow partner and worker, giving Titus authority and honor that he should receive from these people. These are all trusted brothers who are working for the glory of Christ and the benefit of the people. There's also a very practical reason for these men all to go together. Protection. They'll be carrying a lot of money with them, and they will be safer, and so will the money, by going together. So Paul is explaining to the Corinthians the men entrusted with carrying out the plan, and look at how much emphasis that he places on what their goal is. Their goal is to honor God. For the glory of the Lord Himself, what is honorable in the Lord's sight. These are men who are focused entirely on completing this task, primarily to honor God. They're doing a practical task, yes, but they have their eyes fixed on doing this not to their own glory or their own praise, but to glorify God. Secondary to that is their desire to show their goodwill toward the believers, both those in need and those who are contributing to the collection. These are men who will be the means of bringing real, practical help to those in need, but they will also be the ones who are entrusted with the money. Those who are contributing are not just writing a check and forgetting about it. They are truly participating in the Lord's work, and they should be encouraged in their giving. To know that their giving in this way, they will also strengthen their own faith as they unite with these fellow believers in Christ. In this way, they truly are sharing in the suffering of those fellow believers. Those believers who are of a different ethnicity, who were once, well, basically their enemies. Also secondary, or thirdary is the desire of Paul and these men to be seen as honorable in the sight of men. Their standard should be higher than that of the world as they represent Christ. In this way, they not only honor God, but also demonstrate the standard that they hold to that should recommend them to the world. No one wants to work with someone who is a cheat or who engages in dishonorable practices, knowing that they may be the ones cheated. So, as they strive to honor God, they also demonstrate their trustworthiness before men, but a trustworthiness that is centered on God. So, as they are seen as honorable before men, they have the opportunity to give the credit and glory to God for their actions, living lives that truly are living sacrifices for God. So, after explaining all of this... Paul basically says, don't let me down here. There's a lot riding on this. We're all taking this seriously. We're being careful and wise, and we need you to give proof of what you promised to do. In other words, put your literal money where your mouths are. You promised to do this, to give to those in need, so now do it. Don't allow anything to prevent you from fulfilling this. This is one way in which the watching world and fellow believers will see your love for Christ and your changed hearts and lives. This is an opportunity to live it out. So do it. Live it out. This offering means a lot, not just in terms of practical assistance, but also in the unity that is exhibited here. This was a collection of money gathered from mainly Gentile Christians that was to be given to help Jewish Christians. Again, this is just one way to show their unity, to be united in a practical way for God's glory and the benefit of the body. Ladies, this way of living should be our goal as well. Our primary goal always should be to glorify God in all that we do. That isn't always as simple as it sounds, which is why we need to examine our decisions in light of Scripture and determine what actually is God-honoring. For example, if you have a parent who's not saved, that doesn't mean that the command to honor your parents go away, but it might mean that in honoring God first, your honoring of your parents isn't so clear-cut. The unsaved person probably won't see what you're doing as honoring to them, especially if you aren't able to just agree to do whatever they want you to do. But you can still find ways to demonstrate your love for them, to honor and respect them, while doing everything that you can to glorify God, first and foremost. When we are truly striving to honor God, and we are able to be consistent and loving in how we apply that, it may take time, but it will become evident to those around us. Never use honoring God, though, as an excuse to be unkind to someone else. They are still image-bearers of God, and because of that they have value and worth in His sight, even if they are in full rebellion against Him. Honor God. Hold fast to Him. Rely on His Spirit to guide you through those tricky parts, and do so with grace and compassion and love for those around you. Remember, you are His workmanship, created to do what He has for you, that He prepared for you from eternity past. So my questions for you today. How are you living your life to glorify God? How might you be living to glorify yourself? If a stranger were to observe your life for a week, would they be able to tell that your aim was to do what is honorable in God's sight, for His glory, and out of goodwill for His people? If not, why? What might God be showing you that He wants to help you change to truly glorify him in your life. You are not going to do this perfectly, so don't think that I'm expecting that. But what is the overall pattern of your life? Is it one of praise and glory of God? Or is it your life with praise of God sprinkled in every now and then? Ask God to help you to put your money where your mouth is. Live out what you claim to believe through God's power for his glory. Ladies, you'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website naomistable.com. Day 13, Trustworthy Men in Service to God.